don't you uh, you want to move over a little bit here towards the mic there a little bit, and uh, and kind of kind of fill us in on on uh, you know what what's going on with O2 Health, how we met, how how this whole synergy came about. Yeah, they want you to sit over here so you can hear the mic. You're front and center, my man. When I first uh, um, got into hyperbaric medicine, I had been in the commercial dive industry for 30 years, uh, underwater welding uh, construction. And so we use hyperbarics every every day. Um, so I was very familiar with it. I taught at the College of Oceaneering uh, when they had a course for doctors and nurses to get certified in hyperbaric medicine. Uh, I've always been a sports fan, so I'd always look for a way to mesh mesh those uh, two worlds. Finally, my wife had told me after 30 years diving that I was too fat and old to do that anymore. <laughs> uh, so I opened my first hyperbaric clinic, and we were treating mostly special needs kids. The, the more I looked at the different mechanisms in the body and how they respond to hyperbarics, I started getting involved with uh, some of the NFL players, and I had uh, a couple hundred NFL alumni that we were treating for uh, brain injury, for concussive syndrome. Uh, a lot of them were being sent from a psychiatrist in Newport Beach that worked with the NFL players. So we were seeing pretty dramatic recoveries, uh, pretty amazing stuff, and using the standard protocols that several doctors like Dr. Paul Harsh had written and Dr. Neubauer, um, you know, the real leaders in the, the hyperbaric field. After uh, five or six years, I started thinking about other modalities that might increase the effectiveness of hyperbarics. Um, not coming from a medical background, uh, just because of a passion for the, the interest in it, it was just you know, I, I'd been a Christian since I was 12 years old. So looking at how God had designed the body and just trying to keep it in that environment, uh, the way the mechanisms work, the way the body heals itself, if it's in the right environment, you give it the right tools. So when you say right environment, higher levels of oxygen, right? Right. There's actually a, a book written uh, several years ago by a, a, a dentist who's a theologian as well. And he surmised that and if you look in the Old Testament at people living to be 300, 400 years old, uh, the earth before the flood had a water canopy. So we had a greater barometric pressure. Uh, atmospheric pressure was uh, right now at sea levels 14.7 PSI. It was estimated that it could have been up to uh, 30, 32 so that PSI. Would That'd be a hyperbaric environment. So our oxygen right now, the sea level is about 21% for lucky. So back then, right. what would the oxygen saturation well, be in the from air amber and different solids that have, have trapped gas in it, mm -hmm. the estimates are anywhere from 33. Well, I've seen as low as 27, but from 27 to 36%. So we were in a hyperbaric oxygen environment. So life would thrive. Uh, you know, uh, mitochondria would be so much more efficient. Um, the number of mitochondria would be multiplied in the body. You'd repair, you'd recover. And with the mitochondria being that efficient, it's like a... Uh, it's anti-aging. Anti-aging and a battery source yeah, that battery. just right. fuels itself. Yeah. It does it. It would never run out. So that's how we were really designed. Um, when... I started treating a lot of athletes, uh, mostly alumni for brain injury, 
then we started meeting some of the younger players and I started getting some active players and uh, some hockey players and that wanted to extend their career. So they started doing hyperbarics, not just for recovery um, of an injury, but as recovery from training. Um, being a, uh, a big fan, I went, happened to go to a fight a few or a couple of years ago, not quite two years ago, I guess, uh, to watch Juan Archuleta. Okay. So at that fight, I saw TJ Dillashaw, Cub Swanson in the corner and I listened to Juan thank those guys and the training lab. And I thought, man, the training lab, where have I heard of that? I'm going to look that up. And that's when I called and, uh, Monica was gracious enough to call me back right away and you know we started a conversation uh about recovery athletic recovery and I said you know I really feel that a lot of athletes won't hit their potential uh because they're in a recovery deficit so how can you push in training to the you know you can only push so far if you're not fully recovered and physically the things would happen testosterone dropping um you, you just uh, also wouldn't have the circulation, wouldn't carry on the capillary growth, the perfusion, um, and then the chain, cellular chain uh, of problems you, you possess. So she said, you've got to talk to my husband. That's exactly what he's been saying. <laughs> That's what she tells me. Talk and, English. Talk and, English. <laughs> you're the only person to understand. Thank God you're around. <laughs> well, yeah, I really thought. I, I had worked with a lot of team trainers from the NFL and some of the other uh, uh, sports franchise, NHL, and, and I thought I was getting to know my craft pretty well. And then I came in and sat down with, with Coach for 15 minutes and realized, man, I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just be, I'm just on the edge. I'm more curious than knowledgeable. And uh, so – that's how this for me is really merged in that, uh, you know, I've been extremely educated and I found mechanisms that I, I saw work well together for recovery. Wasn't really sure why. Now, after talking with Coach Cal, now I know why. Uh, um, you know, it's, some of the things that you shared with me, Mark, was some, I guess it'd be kind of on a sad note with some of the, the NFL players and some of these people who had been put out to pasture, so to speak, with severe neurological damage, um, onset Alzheimer's, whether it be Parkinson's, um, ALS, whatever it is, and you're actually telling me that how you would watch your treatments improve not only their life quality, but their relationships, their marriages, and everything, I, I specifically, right? Right, right. So right. You've, you've seen this. You've seen this recovery tool that you're using work. Yeah, for about 10 years now, and some of this is based on Dr. Paul Harsh had, done a, had published a really good study in the Journal of Neurotrauma, I think it was in 2011, mm -hmm. November, uh, pilot study for veterans with traumatic brain injury. And I was, I'd already been using his protocols, but when we saw those, uh, the actual benefit by spec scan, uh, scientific analysis, just not subjectively, I feel better. Right. Um, right. It, it was pretty amazing. Uh, so I really jumped into it hard then. And it had calls from, uh, you know, NFL legends like Joe, Joe Namath, and who has yeah. now opened a hyperbaric center in Jupiter Hospital, uh -huh. Florida, uh -huh. for brain injury because of his recovery. Um, and he speaks about it quite a bit. 
Uh, but I, you know, I said I've had a couple hundred of them, and that led me to start treating veterans with traumatic brain injury, which we started treating pro bono um, if they had a diagnosis. And uh, in those cases, same as the NFL players, same it's the, the same injury, repetitive. They don't have to be big concussive blows. They can be repetitive sub-concussive blows leading to the brain damage. Uh, University of Michigan published a study saying that in a specific age group, NFL alumni have a 19 times higher rate of early-onset dementia. 19? 19 times. I thought oh when gosh. I first read that, I thought it was 19% higher, and I thought, well, that's kind of alarming. And I reread it. It's 19 times higher rate. That's epidemic proportions. So I've had uh, several of the NFL players' wives and a, a many, many military veterans' wives, parents, uh, brothers and sisters, children, call and come into our clinic in tears just thanking us because of the recovery of the parent. And it really dawned on me. Uh, a few years ago when this really took off that, you know, we see these guys with brain injury. It's not just them. It affects their entire family, their friend, you know, and that just spreads. So it's a, it's a big problem here in the U S CDC rates. It is, you know, one of the, the biggest unaddressed issues is, uh, adult traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of the, the things we're looking at with regard to recovering from these things, are available and they're there, but I, I don't know if it's that people don't want to admit it or if they basically don't care, but what we've put together here at the train lab is very, very unique because MMA is really, it's an infant sport. NFL has been going on for a hundred years. Right. We can now see the residual effects and we can look back and you can, you can't help but to wonder if some type of proactive treatment like this would have helped junior Seau. Uh, exactly. Something like that. I had been treating, uh, about, uh, maybe six months before Junior Seau's death, uh, I'd been treating Jesse Sapolu, who became a good friend of ours. That's why I can mention his sure, name. Sure, sure. Um, 49ers, 49ers yeah. five Super Bowls uh, center yeah. for Joe Montana, Steve yeah. Young. So uh, Jess was coming in. and was doing great. Uh, terrific guy. He had uh, come back to me after he and Junior Seau were very close friends. They would go speak in Samoa together annually. They had a camp there. They did a lot of things, and uh, he had he had come to me after and said, "I'd I'd wish I'd have got Junior in here. It probably would have saved his life." And Anquan Bolden, a receiver in yeah. the NFL, mm -hmm. had actually made that statement in the to a newspaper reporter. It was in print that if we would have got Junior Seau in hyperbarics, it would have saved his life. We see a fifty one percent reduction in depression in the first ten treatments. And, and Dr. Harsh's treatment protocol is about 40? 40. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, 40. And then re reassess. We've had some cases that we've had to do up to 80. Mm -hmm. But uh, normally 40 uh, does it. We see at 20, we see a big change usually. Mm -hmm. Right around 20, 25, we see an enormous change. But we, you know, we want to finish that entire protocol. We right. don't want to see any, any relapse. And that's the other thing. We've never seen a relapse somebody that completes the right. full study. And it's not just our clinic. There's other clinics that are hyperbaric clinics that are doing this uh, for veterans. What I'm talking, not the, our entire program here, right? but just the hyperbarics for veterans. Uh, Rocky Mountain Hyperbarics is one. They have a great veteran program. Uh, so there's a few of them across the nation that volunteer. 
to do this, the success rate, and all of us were involved with the Ember study, National Brain Injury Rescue and Rehabilitation, which was published less than a year ago, uh, you know, with hundreds of, of uh, men and women that we've treated, the success rate has been 100%. That's yeah. why, for those be, that complete the that. entire program, yeah, that's why I looked at some of the uh, letters written by doctors into the Journal of Neurotrauma regarding Dr. Hart's study. And one of them said he just simply didn't believe it because nothing works 100% of the time. I mean that yeah, to me that's a doctor. You yeah. let's get a little more scientific. Right. Than well, you that. know what? you're going back to the beginning of the time to begin creation here. You're bringing back a basically a time tested protocol. And uh, you know, as far as MMA goes, uh, I mentioned earlier being young. Um, you know, these boys, they're out there being they're out there being used, abused, pounded. In fact. The bloodthirst that people want out there is, you know, it's kind of crazy. So the guys give it, uh, and then uh, I mean, you, I mean, it, it, this is part of the nature of the sport. The Kendall Grove fight, oh, you won the fight. I won the fight, but I don't, I don't even remember the fight. He doesn't even I, remember. Right. I mean, I didn't even remember the fight afterwards. Right. Yeah. And so one of our passions with the two marks here, myself and uh, um, our producer here, Carlos Puente, he's a fighter actually for a train mm -hmm. lab here. So I want to thank him for putting all this together none of this is possible without him i wouldn't have to make this microphone work uh <laughs> but uh so thank you carlos um but basically here at the training lab we've been able to put together a proactive and a reactive program to ensure that these guys can walk in with baseline numbers on their brains which we actually can visit right. mark you, wadding, do the, you yeah. do the testing and we can see basically the parietal voltage averages in the brain. And then after they fight, we can post test them and we can actually suggest, you can suggest in your staff, suggest a protocol for when they can get back on the mat for contact again. Because like you said, it's not the concussion, it's the subconcussive blows, but we're dealing with the toughest athletes in the world. Yeah, nobody wants to <clears throat> be out of the game. That's right, and th these guys here, yep, oh, I'm okay coach, uh, spell your name. Uh, M-A-R-K. Okay, good. Go out there. Go get it. Rah, 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 <laughs> you know? And and it's basically hurting these boys, and we're seeing some now. I'm not going to mention anybody's names, but all you folks have to do is just use your just your recent history a little bit, and you'll see some fighters who have basically basically lost their minds. Well, they talk about boxing, uh, the fighters that are punch drunk. Yep. Well, MMA is a newer sport, yeah. uh, so we're going to see that in the future, the same thing we see with boxers, and I, th I believe on an accelerated scale, because of the amount of punishment, because these guys push further, and because now you have an anoxic event with the someone being choked yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing that I think that boxing has where it's more dangerous than MMA is that ten count. So like somebody gets standing eight count. Knocked yeah, the standing eight count. Standing eight count. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When they get knocked down, you know they got to get back up and keep fighting. Right. And that blow in MMA could have ended the fight. Well, if you look at uh, the blow count as well, boxers take more blows to the head, but they don't take knees, they don't take kicks to the head, knees. and when they're on ground and pound, the back of their head's not hitting the mat. That is very true. That's one of the biggest issues, and they don't have the anoxic event if you're choked out. Um, even if you tap out before passing out, that's anoxic. Yes. Or at least hypoxic. 
uh, low oxygen at, at a minimum. But oh, I'm sorry. Anoxic is like a brain injury is no oxygen, and we've treated several near drowning children that were in near coma, near vegetative state, and we've had great results with hyperbaric oxygen. But one thing with the MMA fighters, and I, a lot of this comes from the, the wrestling background, I, I've worked with athletes in many, many sports, uh, ultra-marathoners that really push these amazing things, right? But I've never seen athletes train to failure to the point that wrestlers do. It's a different mentality. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, so <laughs> they're more predisposed, I think, because of that mentality to push beyond where someone else for their own good would quit. So you're, you're going to – I think they're going to be in bigger need of the, the therapeutic recovery. The other thing with therapeutic recovery is uh, Coach Cowles, the only one I've ever heard address this – is the sympathetic and parasympathetic uh, systems because hyperbarics uh, relaxes the sympathetic portion of the body. It naturally slows it down when you're in the chamber. Uh, There's several studies published just the last three years on this, allowing the parasympathetic portion to take more dominance. That's part of the recovery. That, and we didn't even realize that. And I didn't realize it till talking with Coach Cal a while back, so I didn't even know to, to look at that. So I started looking up studies. As I said, some of the things I knew worked, didn't really know completely why. So describe to the audience what sympathetic and parasympathetic systems are because sympathetic nervous systems are basically the fight or flight, right? Um, and then the parasympathetic is your body's functions of the organs and everything like that, right? Right, that... that, that you don't have to think about they're they're, they're right. dominant right no no you guys got mark munoz that's it man kinesiology <laughs> kinesiology baby yeah so kinesiology, that's right yeah so sympathetic is um yeah it's, it's, it's going to have a huge outcome on performance and it's going to have a huge outcome on basically neurological processes neurotransmission acetylcholine serotonin dopamine gaba it's going to have a huge huge impact on these things and uh this can, uh, you know, we can follow this here, and actually we do. We follow it through testing. Mm-hmm. But um, the program that I'm, I'm super pleased with here is that we don't treat these guys like just a number. When they become part of the train lab, they become part of the family. Everybody comes in here wants to be part of our, our mixed martial arts program, meets with Mark Munoz. He lets us know if they're a good fit or not. And when they come in, then they're part of the family. In fact, that's one of the things that we have here is that the guys who train with the training lab, they get recovery from you. You guys take care of them. And so we're ensuring that these boys here are not going to have just a great career, whatever it is. We're going to help them reach those goals, but they're going to have a great life after. And that's the thing I think that's missing in, well, a lot of sports, but in particular MMA, because I see the high-end moguls taking everything, and I see a whole bunch of guys who used to be's, has-beens, would-have-beens, should-have-beens, could-have-beens, I did this and that, but nobody's looking out for them now, and they're having all kinds of problems. I mean, just, th- just think of some of the big names now, some of the recent interviews you've seen these guys in. You can see. I mean, these guys are rolling on their words right. and stuff and, like that. And that's – we don't usually see the full manifestation begin 
for at least five years. It's about five years, yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, after leaving a sport. So if we don't intervene, it's not going to correct itself. It's going to get worse. And, and again, I'm in the hyperbaric end, and we use some pulse electromagnetic field therapy, cryotherapy, uh, other therapies like this to uh, mitochondrial densification mit exactly and, and so we get better outcomes with the hyperbarics is you know if we still use hyperbarics as our cornerstone we just want to make it as effective as possible but what's really jump-started is the nutritional uh, uh the nutrition that yeah. coach cal adds because i've always seen my athletes recover fast with hyperbarics i mean we see 30 to 50 percent faster recovery after surgeries if you do hyperbarics yeah but with this what what coach cal does uh I, I it's blowing me away i'm i'm just it's cutting our treatment times in half yeah well we you and i worked together just a short while ago on a very well-known wrestler fantastic right. wrestler and i won't say his name i'm not looking at names in anybody but he had basically been working out with the fighters and he became concussed, and that was the initial concussion. But and then the next day, he became concussed again and immediately began vomiting and things like that. And so this this individual was in a hurting state. So they brought him in here to see us, and you ran the brain scan on him, which we have here on premises, and you did all the signal frequency, and we basically saw a black shunt in his brain where the voltage was completely negated. Right. Is that right, Mark? Exactly. We saw a lot of area damage that had low voltage. We saw one area that there was no voltage. It wouldn't read. There was no reading whatsoever. Um, and to make sure, I did that test twice to make sure that it wasn't a problem with the equipment. And sure enough, it He's just not getting a reading. I was I was astounded when you showed it to me and you said, Coach Cal, here's where the point of impact was, which was true because he shot a low single and he hit the left side of his head. And then you could actually see that his brain bounced off the right side. And that's where the very, very low voltage activity was, was actually on the right side. Right. And the overcompensation end was on the left side, all marked in red. Yeah, overactive, trying to compensate yeah. for the injured area. And so that's the first time we actually really worked together on something like this and we we Basically, it was called the train lab plan, okay? And we put together hyperbarics. We put together recovery, autonomic nervous system. We put together facilitation of PGC Alpha 1. Right. We put these things together, and then we put nutrition in on it, worked on the phospholipid layers, and uh, we basically did a complete holistic approach. And this person's voltage in the first seven days went from what? Uh, From 8.1 to 8.9. Okay. So we knew we were going in the right direction, but it wasn't an astounding jump. Um, and I didn't expect to see in that quick of a time, I didn't expect to see too much. It, it was more than I thought, but it was more in the right direction. But that second week, which is less than half of our it, normal. Right? 11 yeah, days into 11 it. days. Less than our full protocols normally. It had jumped from 8.9 to 21 volts. Which is, and 10.5 would have been yeah. good enough to put him back out on the mat with confidence exactly. knowing that he's fully recovered. You see, that's the problem. We put him out there. These guys are tough. I feel good, coach. Okay, go get him. Go get him. Go get him. Because cause why? Well, back in the day, I did. I don't, it doesn't matter what you did in the day. And one stands to mind with me is, uh, and I'll use his name here, is Aaron Pico. Mm -hmm. Because uh, Aaron's a wonderful young man. 
And uh, when he was basically knocked out in his fight, it came time to train him again. And I told his handlers, I said, I'm not going to have anything part of training, Aaron, until you guys get a scan for me. I need to have a quantitative electroencephalograph. I need to see what's going on so I can be truthful with you guys and be able to make sure that he doesn't get hurt. And the scan came out great. And uh, it's amazing how fast his reaction time was on this thing. I mean, Aaron's reaction right. time was just, remember that? You, yeah, it was You're the one pointed out to me. Like, Look at his reaction time. But we can actually see how concussion affects reaction time. We can see everything. Auditory reception. Right, everything. visual and auditory. Yeah. We, we and, can uh, test so, both separately. So some neat stuff here going on training lab, um, Mark. Uh, well, there's no place else like this in yeah. the world with the entire bundle of, of everything that you've brought in. Um, I, I just... For the sake of the sport, I've had people from the NFL. When I, I still do a lot of things with the NFL alumni, and I've had them at functions say, "Well, when you're showing us all these problems, you're you're trying to you're going to destroy the game." I'm like, man, I'm trying to save the game. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm a huge fan. I don't want to see it go away eventually if it gets, you know, uh, off the edge with injury and, and repercussions long term in life. I'm trying to save it. Um, I would love to see it made uh, mandatory for the state, every state athletic commission to say, get a baseline brain voltage which, test. Which we run right here. Which we, we do right here right. for our fighters. For the viewers, the, the game ends, you know, when you turn it on and off. It, but for us, the people playing these games, like it's weeks before, a month before, months before, you know, and after. Like what happened in there and after. Yeah. So, yeah, right. thank you for bringing all this into right. the and, you know, a lot of these guys have become, you know, good friends of mine now. And I see the deterioration later in life if if we don't intervene. Um, I have a, a, a good friend that's up in Stockton. He only played in the NFL one year. Uh, George Visger, if you ever get a chance to look him up, he only played one year for the 49ers, Super Bowl year. Uh, he was a defensive end and outside linebacker. He took one big blow, was unconscious, for just a minute uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. And, uh, you know, recovered. They kept sending him back in the game, every defensive series. The trainers joked about how many smelling salt it took between series to get him back out uh, the next day. So It's a bad joke. Exactly. So, you know, George, that typical athlete, man, I'm no, I'm okay. I'm going to play. I'm going to play. So less than a week later, uh, he comes into the uh, team's physician, says, you know, hey, last night my arm was cramping up, folding up. I couldn't lift it. I was projectile vomiting. I'm not sure what's wrong. My head's killing me. Team physician looked in his eyes and said, yeah, go to Stanford. They need to do surgery. You're hemorrhaging. So he now he has hydrocephalus, uh, water on the brain. So the duct work in the ventricles wasn't eliminating synovial fluid as it builds up. You know, it's a, the regular process. The duct work was damaged. So they had to put in artificial pumps that he can manually pump. George now speaks all around the country about brain injury in the NFL, but he has no short-term memory. You call George up, and he has... So his hippocampus is shot. Yeah. His hippocampus is shot, no short-term to long-term memory. Exactly, and and it's that continual buildup, and and now it's an ongoing damage, because it's not just the initial injury. Now, if you're not if you're continually getting swelling on the brain, it it's going to do damage. Yeah, well, Mark Munoz, 
been there, yeah. actually currently being treated even yeah. for you to, uh, which, you know, for me, I've spoke to you a lot about, Mark, care about you, love you, want to make sure everything's good for you and your family, and I want to make sure that we have the facility to treat you. Um, but who should this responsibility fall on? I mean, these guys are out there, coaches, trainers are telling them, go get them, go get them, go get them. They're doing everything. They're, they're fighting for very little. Only the top-tier guys are really getting paid. But you've got other people who are making billions off of this. Do you see a responsibility of the promoters and the owners and things like that that they should show some proactive and reactive care on these young men to ensure that their immediate lives and their futures are going to be well taken care of. How do you see that, Mark? Yeah, so, <clears throat> I mean, with everything that's going on, especially with uh, the new um, research done on the brain and brain injury, um, right now the protocol in order to get inside of the octagon which is the ufc or any big organization is you got to get an mri and an mra on your brain mm -hmm. and to make sure that your that your you know op your brain is good you know and so um and that's the protocol you have to go through but um after the fight is when yeah. stuff goes down you know and so the protocol for us is before the fight, we're good, but then after the fight, we don't know because we didn't get an MRI or MRA done on our brain. Retest. So, yeah, yeah, we didn't get a retest. Should that be a responsibility? Should that be part of your guys' contract? Like, hey, you know what? Post-fight exam and then post-fight proactive treatment. If if the numbers are there, num I like this. I'm a mathematician, and I, I like to say numbers don't lie. If your parietal voltage is a 7 and it's supposed to be at 10.5, then you are going to go see Mark at the O2 Health Lab, and you're going to go through a 10-day protocol or a 20-day protocol, and that's part of our insurance policy for you to ensure that you don't get back out there. Right, and they should start with a baseline. Everybody, they get their state athletic commission license. As soon as they get that license, they should have a baseline of what their voltage is. Should the state athletic commission have some kind of deal with these promotions, like because they're going to need to spend money on it, right? Right. These promotions, but we barely even get paid. Well, oh, yeah, I I can't see this as being uh, part of the the fighters' responsibilities, yeah. except to show up and get this done. It's going to take its time. That's why I said I think it should but be the, the responsibility of those. Right. And if you look at it, what what it would help with the the promoters financially. In the long term, they're going to have better longevity of careers for their fighters, for the guys that are the big draws. Yeah. They're going to have healthier fighters. They're not going to have as bad a press. They're, and if you look at the long term, look at the NFL just lost a billion-dollar lawsuit yeah, because of brain of, injury. That's the first of The first, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, there And there's yeah. dozens following. And that's um, let, if you get proactive with it and you even do – prophylactically yeah, do treatments yeah. with no injury uh, and make it uh, uh, mandatory to do three to five treatments after a fight. You know, now we're, now we're very, very proactive. So even the subconcussive blows are healing before you go out and train again. Uh, you know, we forget that after the fight, you may not be training or in contact, but you're watching TV, you're on your computer, 
you may lift, you might do some they things. They all exacerbate. Exactly. So when you fight, usually the promotion will cover your medical expenses after, right? Usually. And uh, so maybe they should try to include places like the right. O2 Health Lab as well. Maybe you didn't break your foot or a hand or something like that, but you know you, you took a couple blows, so you should go see the O2 Exactly. And many of my NFL guys have said over the years, too, that, uh, hey, look, I, I knew the deal going in to, as a career that I was going to be banged up. I was going to have knee, shoulder, elbow. That's the risk you take. That's the price you pay. But they said I had no idea about the brain injury. Well, Jim McMahon, what he said, I never oh. would have played. Yeah. You know? Oh, my gosh. And so we're going to see this on the, on the back side. But we're talking about post-fight effect. But I want to talk real a specific one that you and I were involved in here with, uh, I think, from what we've observed, Mark, that pre-competition treatment right. enables them to actually withstand or I should say thwart damage and uh, we saw exactly we saw well basically we think Stipe's right when fight. after we had Stipe in uh, a few nights b before his last fight with Daniel Cormier yeah. um, the recovery uh, I knew that we'd see better recovery between rounds I didn't realize and that now that I've studied it more just after watching that the recovery of punishment during the round during the round the immediate recovery, uh, if you look, I think someone had told me that Stipe took more punishment than any heavyweight champion ever had in a fight and still won. Yeah, and he looked fantastic and, when he pulled yeah, it he out. Looked I mean, great. He was able to withstand because Cormier, Mark, you know, fantastic athlete, right? Mark goes way back with Daniel. and uh, But Stipe had to be able to effectively weather the storm without scrambling his brains, so to speak, till Cormier's conditioning basically, or lack thereof, started to show. And then, and it did, towards the end there. Yeah, it, the, the body shots came and stuff, and that was inevitable. And uh, in a normal situation, Cormier's probably going to be able to use his natural God-given abilities to to weather that storm. But Stipe was able to hold on and do that because he got hit a whole lot more of that fight than he did, and harder than he did when the first fight ended. Well, also, remember, he fought uh, Ngawe, yeah. Francis Ngawe, not that, that Ngannou. That not not that long before the Cormier fight, right. the first Cormier and he fight. Was not so he may not have been fully recovered, and that that's exactly what we're saying. You're not if you're not fully recovering, and you go in, and we've see, you've seen this in in many many fights, guys that have taken a, a lot of punishment, come back a little too soon, they just don't have the gas. Yes, yeah. it, it, it's it's all physiological. It's how the system was made, and it all stems down to basically the. Sympathetic nervous system, mm -hmm. the parasympathetic nervous system, the central nervous system, and how everything engages all the way through the astrocytes, the oligodendrocytes, the myelin sheaths that are being formed. It all has a part to right. play. And if you, you're basically your medulla obligata in the brain is being shunted and acetylcholine is being shut down because of this inflammation on the brain, then you're not going to get that recovery. And then what you go back out there, how many guys do we know, Mark? You know, they got knocked out, and then they bring it back. Oh, I got to get back out there. Got to get back yeah. out there. And then they go out, and they get, boom, again. Well, I, we, talk about, we talk about the chin, the you chin. know? Yeah, yeah. We say chin. yeah, we say chin. But the chin, the chin goes because your brain has <laughs> exactly. a huge part of that, you know, right? Right. And there's, you know, um, there's three fighters and fights that I can really think of off the top of my head that when T.J. Dillashaw fought. Uh, Cejudo. 
No, before that, oh, when before he that. when he won the title, uh, Cody. No, before that, uh, Barrera. Oh yeah, Brandon Barrow. Uh, Barrow. When when TJ dropped Barrow, that first time he dropped him, Barrow was never the same. Okay, even the next couple rounds, he was never the same. And you watch him when he came back after that fight, he's never, he's been, never the been the same. He's never been the same since. If you watch Ron, exactly. Watch, remember when uh, Holly Holmes knocked out Ronda Rousey? She came back, never the same. Um, yeah, some no. brain injuries without intervention don't heal on their own if you're not putting them in the right environment. But you said, you said sometimes those voltages never come back. Right. If you go back before you bring it up with intervention and uh, a company called Wabi did a study on this with NCAA football players. They got a baseline on every player on a team before season. They had a concussion. They rechecked their voltage. It was low. When the trainers and doctors decided to put them back, let them return, they would check it again just to document it. Didn't make recommendations. If their voltage was low when they went back, it never came back up. Yeah, and that and that's what we're talking about. So I, I think this is you know real important, real important concept, and we're able to bring that here to Train Lab. No place in the world like it. And uh, you know what? Basically, because you know we care here. You know, it's a different agenda. Well, we're not here to grind guys through. Yeah, trophies, belts, and all that stuff's great. But at the end of the day, they're part of our family, and we want to make sure that they're healthy and they're safe. And uh, we're turning out the baddest dudes on the planet right now. So um, you know, I think it's working well. Yeah. Do you guys speculate that recovery will become important in the next like five years? Maybe starting. Oh, whatever, whatever <laughs> works becomes more popular. After this podcast. So yeah, <laughs> so it's working. So yeah. people are going to try to mimic it, um, or hopefully they'll just. We're really interested in everybody's benefit, not just our teams. We want we want longevity of career. We want we want to help as many people as we can, but. Um, we, you know, we're not just gonna tell the world this. Hey, look, this is all our protocols. Um, well, yeah, we'll be following up on uh, some more of the science and stuff. Mark and I'll really get in deep and later on some other time on the science on this. Um, yeah. So, all right. Well, you know what? Closing up here, guys. Anything you want to leave the audience with, guys? Um, you know, hey, I'm just uh, just super pumped about um, what we have going on here at the training lab and uh, with Mark with O2 Health Lab, and um, I, I definitely feel that this is this is a place where somebody can come to and and feel that they're getting what they need as far as um, MMA training and recovery when it comes to um, anything. Actually, any any athlete can can get the recovery they need um, mm -hmm. here at this place. So. Yeah. Yeah, and as uh, Coach had said earlier, it, we came in here with O2 Health Lab. Uh, we do a lot of medical treatments uh, for brain injury, for stroke, for uh, Lyme disease, several things. But being involved here is different than any of our other clinics because it is a family. Um, it, that was the first thing I was struck by. And the ups and downs that you have in any family we have here. And uh, but even in watching the fighters train and this is just as a from a fan's perspective with the coaching staff being the best in the world here. It's not just that. It's the way they work together because you watch guys transition here. It's 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 completely different than I've seen anywhere else from, uh, you know, chain wrestling or from striking to uh, a takedown. It, the transition is 
is just remarkable. Oh, very, very good. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to have you guys here today. Um, those of you listening out there, uh, I think next week uh, I'll be talking to, uh, I believe, if we can get him on the phone here. Carlos, we can do a, a phone podcast with David Taylor, right? Yeah. See, I got my M squared Magic Man shirt on right now. Yeah. And uh, so I'll be talking to David and see if we can facilitate that and uh, get that going. And then, uh, then Juan's back. We'll be hearing from him and then uh, probably get a hold of Aaron. And then I'd love to have Ray in here. And then, like, yeah, have Cub in here. And then, like, to see, um, you know, Spike come in after his fight. And then, uh, then they got a number of doctors. We, we're so well supported by a really great family of doctors who just want to be part of a great thing. Uh, Dr. Mora right. and uh, Dr. Gonzalez. And um, so, a um, lot of neat things coming. So, uh, hope you guys stay tuned with uh, Train Lab Strong. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, God bless y'all.